host, Chelsea Pites, and today I have a very special guest, Miss Jen Herman of Jen's Trends, the Instagram guru of all time. She's one of my favorite people, and I'm so excited. You're going to want to get out your pen and paper and listen to this multiple times, so get ready, buckle up, and let's go. All right, Jen, are you ready to go? I am so ready. All right, let's do this. You guys know how much of an affinity I have for Jen Herman. If you're not following her, you absolutely will be after this episode because she is my Instagram guru. Everybody knows how much I love Gary Vee. I have <laughs> met my idol, my mentor. She's my female Gary Vee. And y'all know <laughs> how important that is to me. So please go and connect with her. I have looked at her for a number of years to be the inside scoop on Insta. And everything she does is amazing. Um, smart brilliant a great writer she's a mommy she has great shoes so you know we we are are definitely cut from the same cloth so we're going to dive in to actionable tips on instagram today so you guys know how much i love it i'm a big stories freak i know jen you're not as much of a stories freak as i am you love the feed so <laughs> we'll talk about how to maximize your feed in the posts and captions because i get a lot of questions about that so speaking of that let's just dive in right away i love that you give people permission to not post every single day so i want to hear your your theory as why we shouldn't be posting every day on instagram and I, I, if anything, I don't only give people permission, I tell them not to post <laughs> every day. So there are certain circumstances, <clears throat> for example, uh, a major sports team, a news agency, they can post every day and multiple times a day because they have a ton of quality content that is timely and relevant to be posted frequently. The average business does not fall into that realm. They don't have that much content most of the time, first of all, and they don't have that much good content. So to explain why this is important, we're going to dive deep for two seconds, well, more like two minutes, into the Instagram algorithm and how it works in the feed, because this is the reason why we don't want to post often. So the Instagram algorithm, and I always tell people all the time, it is not the same as Facebook. Like, I don't know how many Very like different. capital letters I can stress. Different. <laughs> so different. So because Facebook is a popularity contest, people feel like the more my content gets seen, the more I do this, the more people will see it. And to an extent, yes, that works on Facebook. Instagram is not a popularity contest. That's one of the lowest ranking factors in the algorithm. On Instagram, it's actually individual reactions, meaning a one-to-one -one ratio of your follower to you. If they see your content and engage with it, your content stays high in their feed. If they ignore you, if they keep scrolling past you, if they don't look at your content in any valuable way, then you fall lower and lower in their feed. And that applies to each and every single person that follows you. So just because 90% of your followers always engage with your content, if the other 10% ignore you, their con your content is going to rank any higher just because the 90% do. So what that means for you is that your content has to attract your audience. Now we see likes, comments, bookmarks, the, the high level, obvious interactions. The Instagram algorithm recognizes anything as a pause. Did they stop and look at that photo longer than a scroll? Did they click on dot, dot, dot more to read the caption? Did they swipe through the carousel, but not engage with it? Did they swipe back up in the feed to go back and look at your content after they scrolled past it? These are all signals that the algorithm recognizes, but you will never know because Instagram doesn't tell us anything fun and exciting in our lives. So this is what they're looking at. And if your audience is interacting in that way, then you continue to rank higher in the feed, even if you didn't necessarily get a like. But how do you get people to do that? You have to create high quality, engaging content that appeals to your audience. It has to be thumb stopping. It has to make them stop what they were doing in a scroll and interact with your content in some way. If your content is poorly framed, poorly lit, poorly edited, poorly written, if it's not appealing to your audience, they're going to keep on scrolling. And the more they keep on scrolling, the more your content ranks lower and lower in the feed. So if you're creating all this heavily scrolled past content and you're creating a lot of it, you do more damage to your brand because in a week, if you posted 10 times and they scrolled through eight of those 10 posts without interacting, you are now immediately demoted in their ranking for the feed. However, if you only posted one time that week and it was amazing content and they interacted with it, you have a 100% engagement rate. 
so you continue to rank high in the feed. Even if they happen to scroll past that one post you posted that week, that's okay. It's only one post, not eight. So it's better to post less content so you're not saturating the feed, you're not hurting yourself if people ignore you. And when you only post one piece, chances are it's gonna be really good content. Cause you're gonna be like, if I'm putting out that one piece, like it has to be show-stopping. And I have like the Jen's ranking where it has to be amazing content to go on Instagram. And that's like, I literally tell people go back to work and if it's not qualified as amazing content, you don't post it on Instagram. Because that's what you need to do to get people's attention. And that means posting three times a week, once a week. I tell people I live on Instagram. I teach Instagram and I'll go two or three weeks between a post because if I don't have something of value to share with my audience, I would rather do nothing than show up with crap content that's going to actually hurt me in the long run. Amen. Love that. Okay. So now in speaking about formulating this amazing copy and content, let's talk about captions because I have noticed that when I spend much more time on my captions, when I really think about it, and it could take 30 minutes, you know, copywriting is not, is not a really easy. Preach, honey, preach. (laughs) And you know, you're sitting there thinking, but, but I thought, well, if I'm going to post once a week, I'm going to take 30 to 40 minutes to really make this, you know, blog post type of a thing. I've noticed four to five times more engagement than I ever had before when I kind of just put something on there and then some hashtags. So talk about, and I, I know I was one of these people. Some people are like, oh, people actually read the captions. I'm like, oh yes, they do. Really, really do. So talk about like, how do we need to be working on our captions? What are you seeing that's working? And this is something that is evolving. So again, Instagram is constantly in flux and you could come back and watch this, this, you know, podcast in two years and be like, yep, that totally doesn't work anymore because it is always evolving. But yes, right now people are reading the captions and not everybody. Sometimes it takes a little training and evolving to get them to read longer captions. Some people just want to see the one-liners and keep on moving, but chances are if they are following your business, as a business and they want to learn from you, especially if you're trying to provide value add. So especially those of you in this real estate space, you're trying to stand out as an expert in the industry. You're trying to show your knowledge and experience and value. That's not achieved with a zingy one-liner or a movie quote or a motivational post to rah-rah, get your butt out of bed on a Monday. That's, That's not helping your brand. That's not making you any smarter. If you want to share value, for example, Chelsea does, I do, you can do this too. You can use Instagram almost as a micro blog where first and foremost, you have to understand how to format it to get people to read it. And to do that, the first sentence, the first line of words that come out of that caption have to be basically an incredible blog post title, a really captioning subject line out of an email, something that is going to capture their attention because when you're scrolling through Instagram, you see basically one or two lines and then you see dot, dot, dot more where the whole uh, caption is truncated. So if you don't caption their attention in that first line of text, they will not click dot, dot, dot more. So you want that to be a great question. You want it to be a bold statement. You want it to be something that is highly relevant, like breaking news or something that captures their attention. Use emojis, use capital letters, use something to stand out in that first sentence that then they click dot, dot, dot more. There's your engagement factor. And now they read the whole thing. And that's where now you can include your your call to action to click on the link in the bio, click on the call button on my profile, go watch my story, whatever it is you want people to do as that call to action, because now they're reading it. Break it up into short paragraphs. And a sentence can be a paragraph on Instagram. It doesn't have to be like proper English, like a paragraph has to be at least three sentences and have this many, like, no, it can be literally a sentence. It can be four words and then drop down to the next paragraph. You want to be super easy to read and long captions are hard to read on Instagram. If you break them up into separate little tiny paragraphs, you're more likely to get people to follow through and read. Use bullet points, use, you know, numbering, things like that, that again, break it out and make it easy for them to read. Offer that advice, the value add to the audience. I don't know how many different ways I can stress this to people. It's not about you. It's about your audience. And if you just come out and say, oh my gosh, I just won this award and I'm recognized as the world's best realtor and I can do all these amazing things. 
I don't give two rats butts about that. Like, no, I, that does nothing for me. Tell me how you won an award because you helped a client achieve something because you did this and you were nominated by somebody whose life you changed by selling their house, whatever. Like, why did you get it? And what does that mean to me as your audience? When you put it in my context, I'm 10 times more likely to go through, follow through on that call to action, leave a comment, keep you in mind the next time I'm looking for a realtor or a mortgage loan officer or whatever that is. So don't write about you unless it's in the context of your audience. I totally agree. A great friend of mine who I've had on the podcast, Judy Fox, who is a LinkedIn expert. Oh, love her. She's amazing. I love her too. Um, she said something that was so simple, but so profound. And I implemented it. And I was like, this is so simple. How did I not think about this? Write out everything you're going to write out for whatever post, or whatever platform, and then remove the word I. And trying mm. to arrange everything. And it's so true because we're always thinking in terms of a story that we want to tell because that's what we've been taught is we got a story tell and we have to make it relatable. So we think about a story that's happened to us and then we write in obviously, you know, I terms. So that's a really good tip from Judy. So I love that. So captions, you know, they are working. Yeah. Captions are working. Let's talk about hashtags. Because- <laughs> That is what everybody wants to know. You've got a great formula and you know, there's a lot of research that goes into hashtags and I have a spreadsheet and it's, I mean, every once in a while I just add to it because it takes, you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes to go through. You get trapped in a wormhole of clicking on different ones, going to different things and you have to really be strategic about it because what I have found, at least for my personal account, and I'd love to hear from you because you work with so many people, hashtags are the only way I grow. That's the only way that I've really seen a correlation between when I post in the feed using the right hashtags and I have seen those numbers grow. So I think it's a super important strategy. So talk about your philosophy and your formula that you have for hashtags. Yeah. And before I do that, I'm going to give a huge shout out to the lovely Chelsea who understands the time and commitment that goes into creating a good Instagram post. (laughs) So many people do throw it up there. They take a photo, they do a quick edit, they write up a quick, like whatever caption and they walk away and go, Instagram doesn't work for me. Yeah. And I'm like, well, what are you doing for Instagram? Like if you don't put the effort into it, you're not going to get the effort out of it. So it does, it can take 20 to 30 minutes to write a good caption. It can take time to dig in and research hashtags and find the right ones for you. It takes time to edit a photo, to go out and get good photos. All of these things do tie into taking longer time on a single Instagram post. So I just want to shout out to you because I love that you are that person that takes the time to do it right. So for hashtags. So the super secret hashtag recipe that I tell everybody. Tell everyone. uh, (laughs) I want to scream it from the rooftops. Like, just listen to me. But so you want to use a combination of multiple types of hashtags. And then I'm going to talk to you guys specifically about what hashtags you should be using. So first, we want to find a group of at least three to five popular hashtags per post. You're going to be using at least 15 hashtags per post. Don't freak out. It's totally okay. Three to five popular. Those are posts in about the 500,000 to a million post per hashtag result. And again, you can just go into Instagram, go into the search, go look at the hashtags tab and start typing something. It will tell you all relevant hashtags and tell you how many posts are associated with each of those hashtags. So 500,000 to a million is ideally that kind of popular range. You can go over a million, but I don't recommend it because when there's that many pieces of content in a hashtag hub, you are buried in the archives in about 12 seconds. So by the time you hit post and you go to look at the hashtag hub, you can't find your own content. That's how popular those hashtags are. So the only people who are going to find you from them are bots you know, the, the trolls that are out there crawling hashtags, just looking for somebody to mess with the fake likes and the fake engagement. Those all come from those super popular hashtags. They're basically wasted space. So we don't want to use those. So we're going to use those three to five popular, the 500,000 to a million. I'm going to pause because the garbage truck is going right by. Well, it's okay. I don't hear anything. So it's all good. You don't? Okay. I'm no, like, he's no, literally no. like right as I went on. I can hear his crash, boom, bang. <laughs> oh my okay. So you've got the popular hashtags. Then you want to take your moderately popular. These are going to be those, you know, kind of low hundred thousand range up to about the 500,000. 
And these are going to be the ones that stay active longer than the popular ones. The popular ones give you an initial burst of activity. They, you know, you put them out there and boom, immediately you start getting likes. Moderately popular stay active, you know, hours into days. So while the popular ones, maybe like I said, 12 seconds of attention, the moderately popular could stay active through a day or two, maybe even into a week, depending on the saturation of that content. Then you want to pick three to five highly niche specific. These are the ones that actually matter to your target audience. And these are the ones that have usually low to mid tens of thousands range of results. So it could be 3000 results. It could be, you know, 12,000, 20,000, but they're niche specific, highly targeted to your audience and the solution that you provide for that audience. And then you're going to have one to two branded hashtags. So what does this look like in context? Let me just tell you what I do really quickly so you understand it from my perspective. I use hashtags Jen's Trends, hashtag learn from Jen. Those are my branded hashtags. Popular ones would be things like, you know, business strategy and business marketing. Those are more popular ones. They're going to get me initial perspective, especially if I use like hashtag entrepreneur, which has like a gazillion posts on it. That's super popular. The moderately popular get into the range of things like Instagram marketing and Instagram training and Instagram expert. And those also trail into my niche specific. But even there, I will go into things like Instagram news, Instagram updates. Those get into those very niche specific. So if somebody's looking for Instagram news, they see my content because how this works when you string all of these together is those popular ones are the initial burst of activity, moderately popular, keep it active for hours and today's. The niche specific stay active for a very long time. Instagram looks at your content and says, you posted something this morning at 9 a.m. You got a bunch of engagement immediately from your followers. Your hashtag strategy got you a bunch of engagement from non-followers. As the day goes on, Oh, look, your followers are continuing to engage with it. Oh, look, non-followers are continuing to engage with it. You figured this thing out. You've created really good content. Let's show it to more people. And in those niche-specific hashtags, you will rank as a top post because Instagram recognizes the quality of your content between followers and non-followers. So what happens as a top post, when someone goes and looks for that Instagram hashtag, they see the top performing post on the first tab. It's not recently sorted. It's top is what they see first. And if you're in those first three to six posts, the chances are very, very high that they're going to click on that post, end up on your profile, see what you do, follow you. They may even click and go to your website. They may even click and click the call button or the email button and contact you directly. That is how you actually get sales and conversions from using a hashtag strategy, not just growth. So mm -hmm. how this works for you guys and ladies in the real estate space, you need to think about what your audience is doing on Instagram. The biggest mistake, and Chelsea and I were talking about this before we went live, and it works for her, and we'll talk about her reasoning, why it works for her, but the biggest mistake is that most realtors will use hashtag realtor. Let me explain to you. I'm not going to Instagram to look for somebody to sell my house. That is the last thing. I'm going to go to Google. I'm going to go to my neighbor who just sold their house or who just bought a house and find out who their realtor is. I'm not going to Instagram to look for a realtor. Not to mention, realtor is a universal, globally recognized hashtag. And I'm going to find realtors in other countries that can do nothing for me in my tiny little neighborhood. Nine million posts with realtors. Yes. Or more. It's a huge. You know, huge. have like 33 million. Like you're never going to get found for those. Exactly. So using that is a waste of space in your hashtag strategy. The things you want to think about are what are your audience actually doing on Instagram? What are they looking for? Chances are if they're ready to move or thinking about moving, they're looking for things like hashtag dream kitchen, mm -hmm. hashtag dream bedroom, hashtag dream bathroom. They're looking for things related to their neighborhood and community. I live in a very small area called Forest Ranch in North County of San Diego in California. So I live in this really, it's literally like a five square mile radius. Like we, it's a very small niche area. So I'm looking for things to do in and around my neighborhood. I'm looking for geographically related hashtags related to my audience or to my area. 
And I am your audience if you sell or buy homes in this area. So you want to be using those hashtags that are related to what your audience is actually doing online, where they're hanging out. And when they're looking for hashtag dream kitchen, which granted, no, that's a popular hashtag, but that's what they're looking for. If you're creating content in hashtag dream kitchen and talking about how to, you know, negotiate better rates when you buy a house to get your dream kitchen, Mm -hmm. here are some tips. You just set yourself as an expert that they are finding by doing what they're already looking for. Right. People that are, I think, looking for homes are looking for design inspiration, decoration. Yes. Even like farmhouse, which is really big right now in like the world of yep. um, things of that nature. And I think the local, local plus anything, you know, downtown LA, LA home, yep. things of that nature, I think are really what they're looking for. Um, and, you know, I see a lot of hashtags like hashtag top producer. Yep. That is not going to attract anyone else but a top producer <laughs> like the, the person the who other is- people who are using that hashtag exactly, exactly. and they don't need you because they're already a top producer <laughs> right so I see that a lot and, and I mean you're you're exactly right it makes so much sense you know and then you have to think about what is your avatar that like, we talk a lot about that and you know I'm a 40 year old mom so I want to connect with other 40 year old moms so I use not only real estate related hashtags but I'm using you know like hashtag, you know, mom CEO or moms who hustle or whatever it may be. And that's the thing, like when it comes to working with a realtor, if I'm going to buy or sell a home, this person's going to be actively involved in my life for a period of months. Mm -hmm. I need to know that that person meshes with me as a human being, not just that they're a top producer, not just that they've sold all of these multi-million dollar homes. I don't like, that's great. Good for you. You're rich. I'm happy for you. But what are you doing for me? (laughs) Like, are you going to understand my needs as a mom? Are you going to understand my needs in terms of the fact that I have a home office and I need a certain living environment to accommodate my home office that I need an extra bedroom because I need to turn it into a massive walk-in closet for my shoes. And that I'm going to literally take away a bedroom to turn it into a closet. Do you understand that this is important to me? And I realize it diminishes the value of the home. I don't care. Do you understand that? And if they don't understand that, they're not the realtor for me. So when you go online, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, whatever it is, you're creating a persona around your brand that people are connecting with and you have to attract those people as well. And so, like you said, you're looking for moms that, you know, like you and me who understand the need for a shoe closet. (laughs) I agree. Those are my people. (laughs) Exactly. And that's somebody that I know is going to find the houses that work for me if I'm looking to move or if I'm looking to sell my house who's going to make sure that they're finding the right people for the house that I am trying to sell. And so it is about using a whole combination of hashtags, content, everything else to convey not just what you do, but who you are, what makes you unique and what attracts your ideal clients to you. Because, and you know, we've talked about this in in other circumstances, but if you're talking to everybody, you're talking to no one. You need to be really clear, like you said, with the avatar and creating that content strategy around that person. Mm-hmm. I love it. Okay, so we'll just continue on with the hashtags because it is the number one question we get. Um, let's talk about hashtags in stories and yeah. IGTV. Okay, so tell us about hashtags and stories. Okay, so in stories, you can use, <laughs> right? <laughs> so hashtags work in stories, not the same way as they do in the feed. So in the feed, you can use up to 30 hashtags. On Instagram stories, you can use up to three if you use the text box. You can use one if you use the hashtag sticker. So if you use the hashtag sticker, you can't put multiple hashtag stickers. Mm -hmm. If you use a text box, they will recognize the first three. Additionally, the more you shrink that hashtag text box smaller and smaller, the less likely you are to show up in search. The reason why is because when the whole Instagram stories thing came out, you could use hashtags. Everyone took advantage of it. Over them or hide them somewhere. Yes, they would. So they drop a list of like 10 hashtags. They would turn the font black. They would shrink it down so small and then they would hide it in like a black picture or part of the picture. So like in my hair or something. And so the hashtags were there, but people reading it didn't or seeing the image didn't know there were hashtags in there. And I was like, you guys, this is seriously going to last like three, like three seconds. Instagram's going to get smart to you guys and shut this down. And guess what? They shut it down. Right. So for a while, you can only use one hashtag. They finally leaned up a little bit and they said you could use three. 
So you can use them. The key to recognize is that it is not a guarantee that you will show up in hashtag searches as a story. In the feed, people are used to scrolling in a hashtag hub and seeing tons of content. There's the top tab, there's the recent tab in stories. If you were to tap on the search and the results for stories for a hashtag and you saw 3000 dots across the top, you would run screaming for the hills. So Instagram selectively chooses what content, because all of this is algorithmically sorted no matter how you look at it, but they choose what story pieces to put in that search result for each user that logs in. Meaning if I love dogs and interacts with a ton of dog content, if there's a dog in your story, it's more likely to show up in my feed versus perhaps Chelsea never looks at anything related to dogs, which is highly unlikely, but let's just say. <laughs> but, if she, in my feed. Right? <laughs> but if she never looked at dogs and there was a dog in your story, yours is not likely to show up in her search results under the exact same hashtag because Instagram's going to selectively choose based on AI artificial intelligence, they're going to choose what to put in those search results. So you are not always going to get great results from hashtags and stories. Now, again, when it comes to story hashtags, this is the opposite of the feed. You want to use more popular hashtags in general in stories because you're more likely to show up in more people's results. If you use something hyper-targeted, like for example, you know, San Diego restaurants, Italian, you know, something super niche like that. Okay. Like you're probably going to show up in a few people's, but it's not going to be as broad as if I just put hashtag restaurant, I'm going to show up in hundreds of thousands of results around the world for that hashtag. So now if you only want to get found for a really local business, then that's okay. But if you want to get exposure and new audiences, broader is better for more exposure in your Instagram stories. That's the opposite almost of your location theory, right? Yes. Location in the stories. Okay. And I was literally going to say, this is like the opposite. So I love location tags and stories. You guys, this is like the secret sauce to growth with Instagram stories is location tags. But in that situation, you want to get as narrow as humanly possible. So Let's say I am standing at a physical location. I am standing at a boutique and it is on a very specific street in a very specific neighborhood, in a very specific city, in a very specific state, in a very specific country. If I tag the city, so if I just hashtag San Diego, hashtag Miami, hashtag New York City, are you kidding me? I'm never gonna show up in a search. That's the broadest search imaginable. And sorry, not hashtag, but location tag those things. If you're doing that, the chances of showing up in that are, are slim to none. But if I was to tag that actual boutique, what happens is the map and Instagram know that that boutique is at that location, on that street, in that neighborhood, near other businesses, in that city, and you will show up in more searches. It will go broader. It can't go more narrow. So the example I always give is I spoke at National University, which is my alma mater here in San Diego, and I was at the Torrey Pines location, which is across from Torrey Pines Golf Course, which is world famous for the PGA, but it's in Torrey Pines. It's across from Torrey Pines Golf Course. It's in San Diego, And there's also like Torrey Pines Beach and all these other things. So I tagged National University on a story that I did. That's all I tagged. But by the end of the day, I had shown up in four different location results, including Torrey Pines Golf Course. I did not tag them. I have nothing. I wasn't doing anything to do with golf. But because I was literally across the street from a world-recognized landmark that people were looking at, and if they, that person had any similar interest in the services and things that I offer and talk about on Instagram, Instagram said, chances are you're going to like this. And they fed it to those people. So where I tagged one location, I showed up in multiple location results and got found by new people. I love it. Okay, so three hashtags if you're text if you're in the text box, yep. one sticker, bigger better, if you're yep. doing locations, smaller better. So it's yep. just interesting all these little intricacies. Okay, let's talk about IGTV. Yes. I've been loving IGTV. Good. A lot of people are like, eh, I don't really like it. But I'll tell you, it's like when Facebook Live came out four years ago, I have noticed a huge difference. I've, it's helped me get more people to my profile and all of that. So I'm loving IGTV. Yay! <laughs> yeah, I love it. So um, talk about like 
you you uh, said that the hashtags work there, yeah. and and I think when it first came out, we weren't sure if hashtags right. work the same way. So it's and it hasn't even been out for a year. They launched it like June twenty sixth or whatever it was of last year. So it hasn't even been a full year. And and IGTV has gone through some ebbs and some flows and some some you know shifts here and there to to make it more appealing. Yes. But yes, absolutely, it works. You just need to make sure you take advantage of IGTV in the right way. So when it comes to your videos, you can now do landscape so people can rotate and watch it landscape. It doesn't have to be vertical video. This is as of like last vertical. week. I'm still vertical. Still go vertical. If you can, go vertical. If studies have shown. <laughs> studies have shown vertical video gets more interaction because that's how people yeah. are already holding their device. Yeah, I'm going to so, stick with it. And I know they, you know, people who are doing YouTube are, you know, they are trying to get those people yeah. over, but I'm, I'm vertical. I just feel like it's better. Uh, yeah. So that's my, I, and that's how it was designed to be watched. Yeah. So do, do vertical if you can make sure when you, the way that IGTV now works is you can put a one minute preview into your feed. So this is chances for tons of new exposure because a lot of people weren't watching IGTV, but they're still on Instagram. Now you can get the automatic one minute, it's the first minute of your video into your feed, which means people who follow you will see it. They watch the video and they can tap through to watch the whole thing on IGTV. So you're getting those conversions and those views, but you're only going to get the tap throughs if that first minute is valuable enough to the audience. Again, not about you. It's about them. Don't start off with some long winding introduction about who you are or what you do because they're going to leave. No one cares. If they're already following, they know who you are. If they're not following you, they're going to decide after watching the video, if you're worth following you bragging about yourself, doesn't do anybody any good. So, Hey, it's Jen Herman with Jen's trends. And today in this video, we are talking about hashtag strategies for Instagram. Let's dive in people. Here we go. Boom, 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 boom. Give them what they want in those first 60 seconds so that they have to tap through and watch the rest of the video. You also want to make sure you have a very, very clear call to action in your IGTV video that says, go click on the description of this IGTV video to go to the website, to go get your download, to go sign up for this, because you can put any clickable link by any standard of any size account of any person in the universe on your IGTV videos. You are restricted to link dropping on Instagram. IGTV, any video can have a link. So you can have that call to action, direct people to go, you know, download the audit or, you know, book a chance to talk with you or whatever it is you want them to do. You can put that in the IGTV caption with the link they can click through. For searchability, you can use up to 30 hashtags and they work just like they do on Instagram. And IGTV videos show up in the search feed for Instagram hashtags, just like regular feed content. They will see the video autoplay in search. So again, great quick introduction. They see the video, they tap through, and they're watching your whole IGTV video. So it's a great way for more exposure. It's a great way to build views and audience if you do the strategy right the key to success with an IGTV channel is keeping everything consistent because it's one linear channel. Meaning if they watch one video, they're going to watch the next. They're going to watch the next. They're going to watch the next. They can't choose a channel. They can't choose a playlist. They can't choose that they only want to see your, you know, top tips videos. That If your top tips video is followed by a behind the scenes, followed by your Christmas vacation, followed by, you know, a, a tour of an open house, you are all over the place and you're not giving me anything consistent. If I come to you because I found you for a top tips, but then the next video is a behind the scenes or your family vacation. I'm like, I don't want to see this. And I'm going to leave and never come back. Right. But if you have top tip after top tip, after value add, after resource, after information, and everything is value added to me. And the reason that I found you is for that one piece. If all of your videos are the same type of content, you just hooked me as a loyal follower and I will watch all of your videos. So whatever you choose that content to be, even if it's, it can be your behind the scenes, it can be all your family vacations, whatever you choose it to be, it has to be consistent. So if somebody finds you for one of those videos, they're likely to entertain all of those videos. That's a really good point. And I've noticed um, because they've recently changed the feed that I wasn't, I was just selecting a you know picture for the cover photo um, for the preview, but now I'm doing like an actual graphic because yeah. there's so many people that aren't doing a cover photo 
that it's now the only way to stand out, I feel like, and actually see what somebody's going to talk about because it's just faces, you know, you're scrolling through faces and I'm like, well, how are anybody going to see what you're going to talk about? So it's interesting. You said that it's evolving, it's changing. Yeah. And let me tell you, Instagram, I'm sure they're not going to be listening to my podcast, but if they could make it easier to do a template to make the nine by 16, the four by five and the one by one so that it all works somewhere. Somebody, I don't know if it's Canva easel. Y'all need to make it. Canva does do it. Um, I'm going to, I'm not going to lie. I'm so old school. I do it all in PowerPoint and I just built myself my own templates within PowerPoint. And so I can just put, so it's, it's already formatted to the size and I can just dump whatever image I want and crop it and then do a text overlay, save as a JPEG or PNG and upload it. Like I'm older school on you, girl. I had a post-it note that I was like, let me just hold this up here and mark the thing. (laughs) (laughs) When I'm all in Canva, like moving it over. Hey, whatever you need to do to do it. But yes, the cover photos are really important. Um, and, and I love that tip because yeah. it does allow you to stand out when people are scrolling through. And like you said, looking at that feed of content, everything's like a, you know, weird, blurry, like half, you know, a half-ass photo, or it's like, it's not even like a good freeze frame image, or it's just a random photo, like instead of a face, there's no text, there's nothing to tell you what's in that video. So having that really well formatted and remember when that video crops and goes into one of those preview feeds, a lot of the times you're seeing it cropped as a square. So even if you're creating that vertical graphic, keep all of your content in the center square area so that if you have text, you don't want the text starting at the top of the image. And then when it crops, they're only seeing half of that text that's in that middle square. So just kind of keep that in mind. Um, and don't put a ton of text, but enough that's a really quick call to action. Like I could literally have a photo of my face and say, hashtag strategy. Yes. All it needs to say enough to get clearly what it is. I don't need to say hashtag strategy for real estate agents in North America. Nobody cares. Just put hashtag strategy. If they're interested in hashtags, they're going to come watch it. Right. Okay. So we're going to, um, wrap up with trends before we do. I want to give two more questions that I know everybody asks you all the time. Yeah. Um, first one is, well, actually maybe you don't get this one all the time. This is something that I personally want to know. What's your, what's your, what's your feeling, your vibe, your theory on sort of like the new post thing in the stories. Is that a good thing to do where I see people like putting in like new posts and like they're covering it up. So you have to go and see it. You know, people have asked me, should I be doing that? I see it's sort of a new trend. What are your thoughts? Yes and no. So I, the, the reality is where is your audience? For me, if I put a new post up on Instagram, I don't need to tell people in my stories because if they're reading my stories, I have much less viewership in my stories and my feed. Chances are if they're watching my stories, they're already seeing my feed content because I have a broader audience in my feed. So it's not as necessary for me to do that. Now, that being said, I will occasionally post something and I will like, but I usually just use a text space. I just say, new blog post, or have you heard the latest Instagram news? Check out my feed post for the full story. So on occasion, I I don't do it all the time. Again, if you do something all the time, you're going to burn people out. They're going to stop watching your stories because all you're doing is promoting your other content. If they want to see that content, they'll go look at it. Save that for very unique circumstances when it's a really important piece, when it is like a a breaking news thing, when it's, you know, something really valuable, um, then you could do those sorts of things. But again, keep it limited. You can do the share too. So it shares the posts and, you know, but don't, like, don't hide it. Don't eliminate it. Don't like clickbait it where you have to click through to read it. Say, go read my new post. This is what I'm talking about. These are the, like, I've literally taken screenshots and put the whole screenshot up there and been like, you want to read this? Like, here you go. It's here. It doesn't matter where they see it. They're going to, you're doing a content again for them, not for you. And the more you make people work to get the content, the less likely they are to actually use it. Look at it, appreciate it, appreciate you. If your real goal is to get people to get value, then you give it to them where it's a value to them. I love it. I'm so that way. I'm like, listen, don't make me watch your live video. Give me all the bullet points in the text and then I'll probably watch your live video. Right. Um, Tell me what's in it. Is it, is is there the things that I really want to know that I can sit through that 30 minute video? Yes. Um, Okay. So this is a question I know you get all the time. I get it all the time too, is, um, what about, do I have to like, I'm concerned about making sure my, my grid looks like themed. And 
and I, I mean, I do make mine themed because I want people yeah. to sort of know my brand and what have you, but, and especially with the IGTV thing, oh my God, the previews, that was a whole situation. Yep. But, um, you know, I don't think you have, I, I know you don't have to have one. Cause again, there's not many people going that it's like a Facebook page. Nobody's going to go to your Facebook page. Or exactly. What is your thoughts on that? Um, everything Chelsea just said. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing. The only people who ever look at your feed as, as your profile gallery, when they go to your profile and they see all the content in that beautifully well laid out grid, the only yeah. people who see that are usually the very first time a person comes and looks at your profile, where they come find you from whatever it is, whether search, a hashtag, somebody recommended you, tagged you, and they come and look at your profile, they read your bio, they look at your first few photos to see what you're about, and they make a decision within 10 to 30 seconds if they want to follow you or not. How pretty that grid is, is irrelevant to that conversion. Right. And to be completely honest, the fact that everyone had those beautifully pastel and muted, beautiful toned images and everything was perfectly matched in color and everything was perfect. I was like, <laughs> like, I'm like, you all look the same. And there's yeah. nothing about that that stands out. I told you your content has to stand out to get people to pay attention to it, not blend in with everybody else. As long as your feed and all of your content tells people a story about who you are. So if they come look at your profile and they see your first six, you know, nine, 12 or whatever posts, can they tell immediately from that who you are and what you do? As a realtor, do you have pictures of home staging and, you know, backyards and, you know, the, the whole curb appeal, beautiful homes? Do you have things with your face in them that people know who you are and that they're going to get you when they contact you? Do you have content in there that's value add? Does that feed at first glance tell them that you're a realtor and that you can serve their needs? If that, if that doesn't serve that purpose, then you need to relook at the content you're creating. But what organization it's in or where the, is it in a three by three grid or a one by three grid or what color scheme it is and do you have quotes? Who cares? Because <laughs> yeah. what shows up in the feed is sorted algorithmically. They're not necessarily seeing that in chronological order. So why does it matter what order it goes up? It becomes stressful because you're like, oh, wait, I don't want to mess up my grid. So I got to wait and find a photo because I do, I do a video and then a photo and then a video or whatever, you know. And then when something stressful. big happens and you want to share it, you're like, oh, I can't because I got to wait for tomorrow's post to go out that has right. the motivational quote on it. And then I can post exactly. the breaking news three days later. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay. I love that. Okay. So let's finish up by talking about trends. Like yeah. what do you Thing for the next, I mean, not that you have a crystal ball, but like, you know, what do you think is going to happen? I do. Don't you know? <laughs> so yeah. So when it comes to trends, the big thing we're seeing right now is a lot of concerns over privacy. Mm. So Facebook, Twitter, Canva just had their privacy breach. Obviously Instagram is linked to Facebook and they had a privacy issue yep. recently. Mm -hmm. This is an ongoing both, thing. Both Instagram and Canva. I got the emails from both of them that said, right. <laughs> you're in part of the breach. Um, this, you might want to change your account. I'm like, Oh, and isn't yeah. that the worst? Cause you're like the last thing I want to do is go change all my passwords on like everything I own. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but the thing is, this is a legitimate issue and it's a legitimate issue that's probably been going on a lot longer than we know about, but laws are changing, which require these things to be more publicly handled in recent years. Um, and also bad guys are getting smarter. Like technology evolves and bad guys evolve faster. You know, they know what's happening before the technology even catches up to it. And they find ways to skirt through these things. They find, you know, you take Facebook, Instagram, even Canva. These are massive organizations with tons of data. Even if they got 1% of those companies' data, they have got so much that they can sell and get value out of that they can go after these things to get that content. So these are things that are making consumers wary. These are things that are making users, you know, concerned. Marketers are concerned. They're like, well, should I not do this? Should I do this? Users are like, well, I don't trust Facebook. I'm going to go hang out on Instagram, not realizing they're the exact same company. But you need to be able to convey content in a way that makes your audience feel safe and secure. What is happening and what we're seeing a lot of as another trend, but also related to this, is much more private message conversations. We're seeing conversations going on on Facebook Messenger. We're seeing conversations going on on Instagram DMs. If you reply to someone's story, it goes into their DM. If you want to message a brand, you go to their DMs. You send them a direct message. You're not posting publicly on a public post for the whole world to see that you have a question or that you have a customer service issue or that you want a resolution or you want to give them props. 
it's all going into direct messages because people are nervous about public facing content right now. So the more you can prepare your business to manage direct messages, the better you are going to succeed. And if you do not have the physical capacity and bandwidth, you need to make sure you have a VA or an assistant or somebody on your team that is qualified to manage those direct messages for you. Because if someone's messaging you and saying, hey, I want to talk to you about scheduling an open house, or when do you have any open houses coming up? Or do you serve this neighborhood? Or, you know, I have questions about the new law that just came out regarding, you know, like in Canada, it could be a strata here. It could be an HOA, like all these different things. You know, can you give me some information on that? If your VA or assistant is not equipped to answer those questions or to give you a heads up that those questions are in there, if you're not answering them quickly, you just lost that sale. You will not get that person back as a customer. So you need to be watching those DMs. You need to be prepared to answer those DMs and you need to treat them like the best quality customer service you've ever offered in your life because that is where you are now going to get the conversions. Whatever you show publicly is part of your brand. Absolutely. And you still want to be present and everything there, but so many brands are like, oh, well, I do everything publicly. It's this amazing brand and I respond to everybody. But when someone reaches out to them personally, they're non-existent. And those people are the ones that are going to either convert or go tell everybody not to work with you. So really put the focus on direct messages, using it for customer service and planning forward with that. Now, of course, we have no metrics on any of this, which sucks because even, I mean, even Facebook said, you know, this year, multiple times, they said they're making a push towards Facebook groups. They're making a push towards private messages. They're streamlining all of Instagram, WhatsApp, and Facebook for their messaging platform. So everything runs on the same platform. Like they're putting a huge push behind DMs, but we have no metrics. Right. You don't know how many DMs you got. You don't know how many conversions you got from DMs. You don't know how many people, you know, responded to a DM or did you initiate the DM? You have no data on this. So it's not something measurable unless you literally or your VA sits through and counts up every single one in your list. But then it's like, well, they reached out a month ago, you answered them, but they just followed up now. So where do you track that? Did that track as a conversion now or did that track from a month ago? Like, it's really hard to manage this from a data point. This is where it's not about the data. This is about the relationship. So put that relationship focus on your marketing, put it into the direct messages, work on those conversions, treat it like email, basically like a phone call. It's one-on-one conversations. And when you do that, that's going to propel you into 2020 for conversions. I love it. Oh my gosh. This is obviously my favorite podcast to date. <laughs> I'm so happy that we got to connect. And, you know, I, I was like, I told Jen, I, you know, I'm recording this in a bedroom in Vegas. I'm sitting on the floor. I was like, I am not rescheduling her. So thank you so much. I just want everybody to know where they can find you because you have such great resources. Um, I cannot give you guys enough props on what you're doing on Facebook. You guys, you have two incredible groups. You have your own Jen's trends group. You are breaking news. You also have a paid group called 360 marketing squad. It is absolutely worth the money. It's a great investment. Not only do they get to interface with you, but um, Stephanie Liu, Mike Alton, and the other gal remind me. Amanda of Robinson. Digital. Yes, Amanda Robinson. So great people, great networking. And you also offer intensive coaching, small group, personalized coaching for Instagram. So tell us all the places we can find you. Yeah. So the Instagram intensive, my next one coming up will be August 2nd. Uh, It's a Friday. It's four hours of intense Instagram training. And this is not for beginners. These are for people who are comfortable on Instagram, understand what a hashtag is, understand what a story is. And we're going to talk deep dive strategies for that business. So like Chelsea said, it's small group. I, you know, five to, you know, seven people in the group, it's live on zoom and it's meant to be small group so that your questions get answered. Everybody in the group gets to talk and learn from each other and everyone gets a chance to ask their questions. And we talk hashtag strategy for each and every person in that group so that you walk away with the actual tactics you need, not just theoretically in general, you should do this, but actually targeted to your specific business. Um, And then like I said, the Facebook group, so 360 Marketing Squad, you can literally just go to 360marketingsquad.com. It's five bucks a month um, and you get 360 degrees of social media and marketing support from, as Chelsea said, me, Mike Alton, Stephanie Liu, and Amanda Robinson. We do live trainings in the group. We answer questions to everybody in the group. We offer tips, resources, breaking news, all that sort of stuff. It's a great resource if you have 
any concerns, not just Instagram marketing, not just Facebook marketing, but blogging, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook ads, any of that, we cover everything in that one group for five bucks a month. Like it's legit, like so worth it. it um, and it then is. my Facebook group. <laughs> yeah. Chelsea says it's worth it. So I don't have to I'm say. Telling you, I'm, I paid for the whole year up front. I was like, this is worth it. And I, there's very few groups. I actually, you're the only paid group I go to because I have not found value in other ones. So that you Thank you. It. See, <laughs> I, I need that in testimonial. <laughs> but, and then uh, my other group is Jen's Trends and Social Media, which is my free group. And it's a closed group, so you have to request to join. Um, but that is my free group. And if you come in there, you get all the breaking Instagram news. So if you are obsessed with Instagram, like Chelsea and I are, come hang out with me in the Facebook group because I don't even post Instagram about breaking news. I post it in the Facebook group. We all talk about it in the Facebook group. Everyone that does have it gives me their feedback. We talk through all the nuances of the new feature so that then I can go on Instagram and post about it while having all of the insight from not just, oh, a new feature, but this works, this doesn't work, this is the limitation, et cetera. So the actual place for breaking news on Instagram is my Facebook group. Just go to Facebook and search Jen's Trends in social media. And then of course, go to my website, jenstrends.com. It's Jen with two N's because I was born in 1980 with a bazillion other Jennifers. So J-E-N-N-S trends.com. Um, you can find out about the Instagram intensive there. You can always send me a direct message. Hit me up on Instagram. Let me know you found me here from Chelsea's group. I love to know where you people came from and I want to be able to uh, say hi and thank you when you reach out. That's awesome. You're going to get a lot of people reaching out to you. So you real estate following. I will put all of Jen's information in the show notes, of course, definitely go and connect with her. Um, I will say too, what I love about your closed Facebook group, the breaking news is that I see a lot of screenshots and even, you know, when I've seen stuff that nobody else has, and it's really cool to see how they're testing different things. So it is a really good place to, to crowdsource what's happening. Are you seeing this? Are you seeing this? And so it's kind of a really fun place. So thank you again so much for your brilliance and your commitment to helping us learn more about Instagram. Loved having you on today. Just can't thank you enough. So thanks again for coming on and uh, I'll look forward to seeing you on Instagram for sure. Yay. Of course. Thank you everybody. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. I know you got a ton of information out of that podcast today. I'd love to connect with you on Instagram. You can find me by my name at Chelsea.Pites. That's P E I T Z. DM me for your free Instagram bio audit today.